Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. If I seem like I'm a little laid back, it's because Sister Kylie made me turkey and I think the sedatives are setting in right about now. Amen. Daniel chapter 6. And we'll start reading at verses, I believe, 11. Yeah, verse 11. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 11, the Bible says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before that king, before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree or a law that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? Everybody say the den of lions. Then answered and said this thing, the king answered and said this thing is true. According to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. But skipping down to verses 16. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. In verse 19, then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste into the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel, I could just stop right there. Then said Daniel, well, what did he say? Just the fact that he could say anything. Then said Daniel unto the king, then said Daniel, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency. Everybody say innocency was found in me and also before thee O king have I done no hurt verse 24 and the king commanded and they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions everybody say the same den say the same lions them their children their wives and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever that means before and broke all their bones in pieces before they came at the bottom of the den then king darius wrote unto all people nations and languages that dwell in all the earth peace be multiplied unto you i make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear before the god of daniel for he is the living god and steadfast forever his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end he delivereth and rescueth he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. I want to preach to you tonight. Maybe uh, I gave them a title. I, I was going to preach along the lines of a Daniel for the last days. But I'm feeling maybe just a little add on to that to help explain to you about the luxury of your lowest points because sometimes your greatest blessings come from the bottom but the question is now can we handle to be blessed would you pray with me right now that God would just speak to us where we are for where we're going 
And for these last days, we need a word from heaven. So would you pray every other voice would be canceled out and let the voice of God be heard tonight. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus, needing you to speak to us, needing the mind of Christ, oh God, to come into this house, oh Lord. And I pray to take us beyond our own understandings, our own intellect, oh God. And I pray, Father, let the word of God, the living word, preach the written word. And I pray, let there be a spirit of revelation and wisdom for these last hours of the last days, oh God. And I pray that you would quicken us together with one mind and one accord binding all hindering spirits whether human or demonic I pray let your voice be as clear as it has ever been in this house tonight and everybody said in Jesus name amen if you would bump your neighbor say can you handle to be blessed amen and you may be seated if you so desire Thank you for all the worship team you guys did. I was over there just bawling, almost couldn't contain myself. So thank you for leading us into the presence of God. Amen. How many are ready for the word of the Lord? Would you clap for him one more time? Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. We lift you up, God. We worship you. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. In the name of Jesus. Father, we lift our faith to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, looking back from where we are right now, through history and time and through theologians and scholars, you can look back to Daniel and he is considered to be a prophet, a prophet of God. And you can look at the book that bears his name and you can realize through history and time and scholars and theologians that the book that bears his name is a book of, of major prophecy. But can I tell you, it wasn't until after the lion's den that Daniel ever penned one prophecy. It wasn't until after the lion's den that Daniel stepped into a prophetic potential that God had created him for. It wasn't until after that lion's den that he ever voiced one vision that God had shared with him. It wasn't until after that lion's den where he had visitations of angelic ministry of principalities the prince of Persia being torn down by that angelic host that came to Daniel it wasn't until after the lion's den that Daniel accessed a destiny and a purpose and a potential that God had created him for. So if that is the case, and it wasn't until after the lion's den that he was able to be trusted with his destiny and the purpose and the potential. If that's the case, I want to know what Daniel learned in the lion's den. I want to know what Daniel got a hold of in the bottom of that not only as dark night of his life that God could say now I can trust you now I can use you because Daniel to a degree had been used up until the lion's den but there was still a part of his purpose that was not accessed so I want to take us through if you'll allow me just for a few moments to take us through the context and the lion's den for this service tonight okay is that all right because the lion's den was in a place called Babylon because the people of God their focus had been drawn away from the one true and living God named Jehovah of the old testament they and their focus had been drawn away and they had begun to focus on other things many things caught their eye and they were lured away by all of these other things and began to worship all of these false gods but God said to them if you continue to worship and focus on these other things I'm going to be forced to have to 
to, to bring judgment to you and there will be consequence to your sin. And they continued to follow after all these other different focuses. And when they did that, he said, if you do this, there's going to be judgment. There's going to be consequence of sin. So as they continued in those things, God was forced to let them know that he was a judge and that he would bring judgment. And thus an army came and sieged Jerusalem. And sieging Jerusalem, surrounding it, this army carried away the people of God into Babylon, which was a prison, which was a bondage to them. So the context for the book of Daniel and the context for the lion's den was Babylon. And Babylon to them, the people of God, was the reality that God is a judge and where there is a real consequence to my sin and there will be judgments according to my sin. That's where they were. In the reality of Babylon. And they were there because they had failed and they had messed up and God was forced to bring judgment. And that's how they seen him. They seen him that uh, as a God that brings judgment and his judgments were real and the consequence of their sin was real. And that's how they seen him. That's how they viewed God. Even Daniel's name means God is judge. Everybody go. You're making me nervous. I'll stare back at you. But Daniel's name even gives us the perception of the people towards God. God is judge. That's how they seen him. That if I mess up, if I fail, if I do wrong, there will be judgments. The judgments of God are real and the consequence of sin is very real. And that's how they knew God. While that is very true, that's not all there is about God. Because not only is he a judge, but he's also a deliverer. But while their perception would only allow them to see him as a judge, God was looking for somebody that he could trust with a revelation or even better yet, a situation to accommodate a revelation that God is not only a judge, but he is also a deliverer and he is also a savior. So God looked out amongst a generation and said, I need to find somebody that I can trust with a revelation that I'm not just a judge and I'm not just going to bring consequence to their sin and judgment according to their wrongdoing. So he found out Daniel. And Daniel as excellent of a spirit the Bible says that he had and he was faithful and God was going to use Daniel to minister to a generation that God is not only the same God that can bring judgment but he's also not only the reason why you're where you're at but he's also able to bring you out of what you're in so now him, him finding Daniel, he was going to use Daniel because of his faithfulness and because of his excellent spirit. And now we find Daniel, Daniel in that generation, in that context of the judgments of God and the consequence of sin. God uses Daniel and Daniel and now they are passing laws. Now this is where it ties into where we are in this world, in this generation because in that time the people didn't like Daniel or, or the people that wanted his position. He knew how to find favor and raise to the top of every administration that he was a part of. But watch now. The people didn't like him and they couldn't find nothing wrong with him so they'd have to find something wrong with his God. So they began to pass laws that would use Daniel's faithfulness against him. Kind of like the last days that we're now in where they pass laws to try to use our faithfulness against us. But I'm here to tell you, they passed a law and said if any man prayed to any God or any man for the next 30 days, he's going to be cast into a lion's den. But guess what? In spite of laws that were being passed to use Daniel's faithfulness against him guess what he prayed anyways he bowed his knee anyways and he prayed like any other day three times a day and he bowed his knee but they saw him 
pray like he had always prayed and he the king they said don't didn't you pass a law and they said yeah well the king said yeah I did I did pass a law okay and they took Daniel because of his faithfulness because of the prayers that he prayed and they threw him into the lion's den and in that lion's den He went all the way down to the bottom. And he spent the loneliest, most confusing, and darkest time of his life in the bottom of that den that night. The loneliest, coldest, most confusing, and darkest hour of his life after the greatest probably prayer meeting in the face of... And now after all that night, him spending down there all by himself... Here comes the king. And the king runs to the edge of that den and says, Oh, Daniel! With a lamentable voice. That means, Oh, Daniel! Servant of the living God. Is that God whom you serve? Continually was he able to keep you? Let me say it right near translation. Oh, Daniel! Servant of the living God. That God whom you serve continually, that God that was able to keep you on top, was he also able to keep you on bottom? Oh, Daniel, that God that was able to keep you when everything was going good and every you had money in the bank account and the marriage was going good and everybody was your best. Hey, when they, what, that God that was able to keep you on top, was he able to keep you when it all fell apart? When things didn't make sense, are you hearing me right now? Because guess what? There's some things about God you can't learn on top. There's some things about God you can't understand until things happen. And that's why God was creating a situation to give a a generation a revelation. That God is more than just a judge. And there is more than just the consequence of my sin that will make me serve God. But there is a God that allowed Daniel to go through what he went through. And God was going to use what he went through to give Daniel an understanding of God's mercy. That not only is he able to bring judgment and the consequence of sin. Not only, but he's able to bring me out and bring me through what I'm in and I believe we've got to have a revelation in this generation that he's not all God help me right now that we've got a God that is able to use what we go through to equip us with the mercy and the mentalities that we need for the end time ministry that he's called us to Do you believe that right now? Because after the loneliest, most confusing and dark night of Daniel's life, down there in the bottom of that den, that's what the world wants to know, just like that king wanted to know. Was that God that was able to keep you on top, was he able to keep you when it all fell apart and when it didn't make sense and you didn't know where you were, you didn't know where God was, was he able to keep you then? Daniel, that's what they want to know. That's what this world wants to know because they know how to serve God or they know how, let me back up, they know how to be halfway happy when everything's going good. So they don't need a God when everything's going good. They want to know, do you have a God that can help you when the bottom falls out? So Daniel goes through what he goes through. And that that king runs to, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. And then once he cries out to Daniel, oh, Daniel. It just took faith. Daniel's life that had been previously lived instilled faith in that king to the point where a king would run to a lion's den where Daniel should have been dead. And had faith enough to cry out, oh, Daniel. But this is my favorite part. Daniel says something back. Because the Bible says, Then said Daniel. What did he say? Well, right now, it don't matter what he said. 
just the fact that he could say anything at all after he had been through what he had been through. Just the fact that he could open his mouth and say anything and have breath in his lungs. Just the, It don't matter what he said. Just the fact that he was still alive after he had made it through what should have killed him. The fact that God kept him through what it should have killed him. It didn't matter what he said. Just the fact that he could say it. And I'm here to tell some of you that are here. Just the fact that some of you are here. It don't, I'm telling you, when you go back to back to school revival, I'll come back over here. Back to school revival. You go into your school, it don't matter how you say it. It's not gonna matter how you sing it. Just the fact that you've got a song that you can still sing, just the fact that you can say anything at all is more of a testimony to this world than anything else. It doesn't matter how you articulate it or how well you sing it. Just stand up and say it. Somebody, I wish you'd clap your hands right now and just tell the devil, I'm still here. Hallelujah. But watch now. Watch Daniel, then said Daniel, some of you should have died in the car wreck, but you're still here. After what people have said, I would have left too. But you're here. Mm. But what did Daniel learn down in the bottom of that lion's den? What did Daniel say? What did Daniel learn? that caused him to come out of that lion's den and then begin to change the laws and a world would know Daniel's God as the only God. What was it that Daniel learned? First off, my God has set his angel and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. They have not hurt me. In other words, on his way down, God let him hit bottom. God let him. He said, my God has sent an angel to shut the lion's mouth. The lions were hungry. They could have eaten Daniel on the way down. I had one person say, you know the reason why they didn't eat Daniel, right? The reason why they didn't eat Daniel was because Daniel, they were, uh, the lions didn't eat Daniel because Daniel was on a, or the lions were on a Daniel fast. vegetarian vegan but I'll tell you the real reason why the lions didn't eat Daniel on the way down to the lowest point of Daniel's life because God sent an angel to say shut up lion let him hit bottom let him go through this let him face what he's about to face why because there's some things that he's going to learn about my mercy there's some things that God's that Daniel's going to learn about my glory and about my power and about my ability and this revelation that he's about to get at bottom is exactly what this generation needs so let him hit bottom let him be lonely let him be confused let him have a moment where he has questions that he does not have answers for let him because at the bottom of that lion's den God was going to equip Daniel with an understanding of a delivering God that was able to bring him out and bring him through what, what does this look like how many know the story of Jonah Jonah you got Jonah the prophet who's called to go and preach to the Ninevites and preach against that 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 people the Ninevites, you know what they did? The Ninevites, they killed preachers. And God said, you go preach there. They took preachers' heads off. That's not in the Sunday school lesson. But they do that. And history tells they'd use the rest of them as furniture. Yeah, you go preach there. Yes, sir, I guess I'll go. Do, do, do. No, 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 no. He did the only smart thing that anybody should have done. He got a ticket on the farthest thing leaving. 
I mean, can you imagine? I, I've been to Green Bay. I've preached in Green Bay. I've watched Green Bay Packers fans drive around with t- stuffed teddy bears on top of their cars with markers that said, kill the bears while the bears were in town. I've been there. I, I watched them as they did. You probably Have you ever seen that? So that's crazy. And I'm driving around their, their 18,000 roundabouts they got right by the stadium. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And they're going crazy. And then you get to the stadium and you see the big old G right there and the, the jumbotrons going. And that's like saying, Ryan, go and preach to the Green Bay Packers fans and preach against football. That's not going to work. They're going to string me up. That's what it was like. God said, go, Jonah, go preach to the Ninevites. Oh, that people that kills preachers. And guess what he did? He bought a ticket and got on the, 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 the boat leaving to the farthest known port of the day, Tarsus. And guess what? In the midst of all that, there came a storm. Grace came in the form of a storm. And God said, I'm not going to let you get away from this. And then he got thrown overboard and he got swallowed by a, a whale, a great fish. People get mad at me when I call it a whale. People get mad at me when I call it a fish. It was a whale. It was a fish. I don't care what it was. It, Jonah got swallowed by it. Right? He got swallowed by a fish that God had prepared. And the Bible said, while Jonah, the Bible says, after three days and three nights, then Jonah prayed. What a stubborn man. After three days, he prayed. But after he prayed, he said, God, I've come down as far as I can go. And Jonah prayed unto the Lord, unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Watch this now. And he gets down and he says, I've come down to the bottoms of the mountains. He said, the depths are clothed round about me and the, the weeds are wrapped around my head somewhere it goes on to say. Watch this. Thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas. Floods can pass me round about. All thy billows and thy waves, they passed over me. Watch this. Jonah, a prophet, a man of God. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. He said, okay, I'm starting to repent. I'm starting to, and the waters can pass me about even to the soul. The depths clothed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. You're getting the picture. And now I went down to the bottoms of the mountain. He went down. He was saying, God, I've gone down as far as I can go. And then the belly of that well, he spent three of the loneliest, most confusing and darkest time of his life he's got seaweed wrapped around now watch he goes through all of this and he finally repents and said God I can't go any farther down in the lowest most confusing and darkest time of his life as a prophet of God now the Bible says after that loneliest confusing most darkest time of his life he prayed and got sincere with God. He said, when my soul faded within me, I remember the Lord. And my prayer came unto thee, into thine heart. And he's getting serious with God. But once he gets serious, God goes silent. Because sometimes when you get serious and God gets silent, we wonder where he's at. But the reason why God was silent to Jonah is because God was speaking to somebody else. I'll prove it. Jonah 2 and 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish. And it vomited out Jonah upon dry land. In other words, the reason God was silent, because he was talking to Jonah's fish, talking to Jonah's lowest point, talking to Jonah's loneliest moments. Do you understand? God was saying to that fish, fish, get him where I need him to be. Fish, take him where he needs to be. Get him where I need him to be so he can fulfill what I need him to do. And God began to use that fish as the context to equip Jonah with what he would need to be able to reach an unreachable people. Do you understand? God spoke to his lowest point and said, get him back to where he needs to be and make of him what he needs to be so he can do what I've created him and called him to do. And the Bible says, and the fish vomited out Jonah upon dry land. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. See what God just did with Jonah? 
Jonah, God just gave Jonah the ministry of a second chance. That a people that needed a second chance could be reached. Because now I need somebody to help me. I'm going to find somebody. But when Jonah, because you're all spread out, I'm having to walk back and forth. Next time we're just going to sit in this section. Because I'm getting tired. The turkey's setting in. Right? Because now, think about this. Jonah goes through all that because people are, people had turkey too, I guess. But now Jonah, watch Jonah. Jonah, he comes out and God says, come spit him out. Give him up. Let him go. And it was Jonah's lowest point that became his launch pad into the ministry God called him to do. Because now, remember, he comes out. He's vomited. Now, that was fish vomit. Think of the fishiest smell you can think of. And I, I'm telling you, that smell just don't come out. My son's got a blanket from about four years ago. He got sick at grandma's, and that blanket still don't smell the same. Is that all right? I want you can come help me. Will you come help me? We're gonna do a little demonstration. Ugh. But you've got Jonah. This is going to be Jonah. Got a call, got a purpose, got something to do for God. But then he's called to go reach an unreachable people. That's going to take his head off when he gets there. So he turns from that, walks away. But God knew that his faith would be weak. But God, he equated that, or God put that into the equation and knew that he would turn the other way. So he had a fish prepared because God knew that it would take a fish. It would take the darkest, loneliest point of his life that would equip him. So in the bottom of that wet belly of that well, all of a sudden he's got seaweed wrapped around his head. Can I take my tie off and wrap it around? His, is that all right? Okay. No, no cameras. Handsome. How do I look? Okay, goodness, man. Now watch, you got Jonah now. He comes out like this. He just got vomited out of a whale. Can you imagine? He's probably bleached white because of the belly's acid and all that. He's got, he's got this seaweed wrapped around his head. He's probably dripping wet, smelling like fish vomit. And that smell just don't come out. And God, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, next verse, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. He said, now go to Nineveh. And here comes, come on, Jonah. Walk with the limp. You're just in the belly of a whale. Here comes Jonah. And then Jonah comes into the city, dripping wet, smelling like fish vomit, seaweed wrapped around his head. I don't see how this is supposed to help him minister properly. It's up in my thinking that would, that would oppose the very thing that God asked him to do. Unless you understand that the people of Nineveh, they worshiped an idea of a false god that was half man and half fish. Come on, Jonah. Makes sense now, don't it? Because their idea of their false god that they served was half man and half fish. And here comes Jonah preaching another god that was greater than... Oh, you're not hearing me right now. See what God did with his lowest, most confusing and darkest hour. He used it to equip him with what he would need to reach an unreachable people. So you need to thank God for your lowest points. Thank God for the things you don't understand because he's using it all to get you ready to be used to reach those who nobody else could reach except you who have gone through the unique things that you have gone through to gain the unique understandings about God that only you have because of your unique struggles. Can I tell you, now watch Jonah. He stands before all the people and he preaches a message of judgment. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And guess what they all did? They started to repent. 
He didn't give them no hope of mercy. He spoke judgment. But guess what? Even though he preached a message of judgment, they heard a message of mercy. Because what he said was being overwhelmed by what God had brought him out of. What God had brought him through and what God had brought him out of spoke louder than his own words. Do you understand that God has brought us through? He has brought us from some things, brought us out of some things. And I'm telling you, even though he spoke a message of judgment, they heard a message of mercy. Because if God can deliver you, if God can save you, if God can give you a second chance, what's that smell? That's not the smell smell of fish vomit that's the smell of mercy what's that oh that what's that around your head that's not seaweed that's a second chance i'm telling somebody it's what you've gone through that's your ministry that god has equipped you with i wish we could stop right now and just lift our hands and just thank god for that right now in the name Jesus name in Jesus name so do you understand what I'm saying right now when I tell you that God uses the dark he uses those moments we don't understand he uses those to equip us with the particular ministries for the people that we are going to reach. So now that's why God said, Daniel said, my God has sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth, to let me go through this. Not because he doesn't love me, but because he wants to use me. And it's going to take a situation for me to have a greater revelation. But the second thing is what I really want to zero in on. I know this isn't all youth, youth revival preaching and stuff. I understand that, okay? Because God is wanting to speak to us so that we can be more effective in these last days. Because it is the days of Daniel that mirror so closely the last days that we are now in. And it's going to take a people that understands. Watch. He said, the, lion, the Lord has sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. But the second thing is, watch now. Pull that back up. Uh, Daniel 6 and... When it tells him that he shut the lion's mouth. He said, and innocency was found in me. If you don't catch anything else, you've got to catch this. He said, and innocency was found in me. In other words, Daniel had an understanding. In a generation that because they were in Babylon, because they had failed, they had messed up, and they had done things wrong. That's why they were there. That's why they're facing what they're facing, feeling what they were feeling. It's because they messed up. They'd sinned and they'd failed. That's why they were in Babylon. But Daniel, after he had gone through what he'd gone through, faced what he had faced, he realized for as much as before him, innocency was found in me. In other words, Daniel realized the reason why I went through what I went through and faced what I faced, it wasn't because I failed, it wasn't because I messed up, and it wasn't because I did wrong. You've got to understand, not everything that you feel and that you're facing is because you failed, you messed up, and you did something wrong. And I know we have an understanding and we have almost a church culture anymore that if anything you feel depressed, lonely, confused, it's because you failed God. You missed God somewhere. And there's this voice of accusation that is screaming out to us. The reason why we feel down is because we didn't do this or we missed God somewhere. No, it may be that God's just trying to place on you a burden that he's trusted you to carry. The reason why he went through what he went through, it wasn't because he failed. He messed up or he did something wrong but I'm here to tell you it was because God found him faithful and God could trust him with going through those things and I'm telling you why Daniel because what was the reason why he was there it was because of the prayers that he prayed not because he did something wrong 
Because this is the first thing that comes to our mind whenever we have a confusing thought. Whenever we feel like we're all by ourselves and we're lonely, we don't know what's going on. The first thing that comes to our mind is we must have messed up. We must have done something wrong. Instead of, hey, God might be trying to show me something that he's never shown me before. God might be trying to do something with me that he's never done before. Innocency. And I'm telling you that are here. Some things that have happened, the things you faced, the things that you felt. I've come to bind that voice of accusation that says the reason why they walked away. The reason why it happened like it did and the marriage went south. The re- because you messed up, you failed, you did. That's a lie from the devil. The reason why you faced what you faced is not because you did something wrong. But God was trusting you with a trial that would cause you to understand his love and his mercy beyond any thing that you've ever known can I tell you tonight that I bind that voice of accusation but God has found this church faithful in the midst of the dark in the midst of the loneliness in the midst of confusion God has trusted you with what you have faced because like Tamar in the book of Genesis chapter 38, the Bible says that Tamar to be used of God. She went through being rejected. She became a widow. She began, and she became forgot about. So suffering loss, pain, rejection to be used of God. Why did God choose her? This innocent party. Just like why did he choose Daniel to go through it? I'll tell you why. Because Tamar's name means palm tree. And a palm tree is one of the only trees on the planet that underneath the weight of the storm, it will bend, but will not break. And when the storm lifts, it will yield its branches faithful again. And that's why the palm trees are planted where they're planted because they can handle the storm. And after the storm, they'll still be faithful. And can I tell you, that's why God planted you here and brought you here and let you go through what you've gone through because he knew it would have destroyed anybody else, but he knew that you could handle it. He knew that you'd be faithful after the storm, just like he knew Daniel. Daniel wasn't down there because he did something wrong. Quite the opposite. The reason why Daniel was going through the lion's den because God trusted that he would be faithful in spite of it all. My, my, my. Let's stop one more time and let's receive this and then we're going to go and we're going to be done, okay? Just go a little bit further, but I want you to stop right now and I want you to acknowledge God right now want you to acknowledge him father we acknowledge you in this house and we receive the understanding that you've given us in this house come on right now pray somebody In Jesus' name. Can we go a little bit further just on this Friday night? I know it's late. Can we go a little bit further? Is this okay? Because he said, he knew that God allowed me to go through this. Not because he's, he's judging me. Not because of the consequence of sin. But innocency was found in me. Because he found me faithful. But you want to know the real luxury of your low points? After Daniel came out of that lion's den. They took his accusers. That voice of accusation that would say the reason why he was down there was because he did something wrong. No, God was going to use him to give a generation of revelation that was going to bring them out and up out of what they were in. And so now... He brought, the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children, their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them, and break all their bones in pieces before they came. In other words, before they even got to get to the bottom, they were destroyed. They didn't have the luxury to go through what you went through and make it out. 
That's why the devil, the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. What he'll do every time you feel, here, watch now. Every time you feel just something's not right with you. You just feel, I felt it this morning come, I felt it this afternoon. I just felt, man, things aren't just, things aren't clicking. Things, I mean, I can't put thoughts together. I'm just, oh, and I was, I was, and I was thinking, man, what did I do wrong? Did I not pray enough? Did I miss it? Was I supposed to fast? All of a sudden, this accusation started coming on me. Accusation. Depression sets in. Oh, I must have missed God. I must have sinned. Where did I sin? Where did I mess up? No, no, no. Do you understand? God's trying to give you a revelation of his love. And do you understand? The accuser of the brethren, Satan by name, he will bring railing accusations against the throne daily. You bring railing accusations to the throne against you daily. But you want to know why? Because the Bible says these guys, they didn't even get to hit bottom. They didn't get to have the loneliness. They didn't get to have the confusion. They didn't get to have that dark, dark time that God brought you through and brought you out of. But even the Bible says in the book of Revelation that Satan is going to be for a thousand years bound for a thousand years and thrown into a bottomless pit. He doesn't get to have that luxury. So he's going to try to trap you in just one, one little bit of God's uh, character. He's a judge. Because that's all the devil knows. He doesn't know that God's a deliverer because he's never had deliverance. But I'm here to tell you, God's allowed you to go through some of that stuff so you can see stuff about God that the devil don't get to see. So the devil will use accusation against you. The reason why your kids aren't here is because you didn't train them up in the way that they should go. No, I'm here to tell you because God knew that you'd be faithful even though they walked away and you'd be faithful until they got back so now oh god help me i feel like this is all just a mess but it's all gonna make sense here in a second because that accusation gives way to fear and you'll never be everything that god has for you to be if you don't understand this that not everything that I feel and that I face is because I failed and I messed up and I did something wrong. But you've got to begin to look for God's mercy in every moment because when you go through that, God is trying to give you an understanding of his love that you're going to share with somebody else. So watch now. And that's why, don't you understand, even when Jesus was on the cross, when he was on that cross, the, the father in flesh coming down, when he was on the cross, do you know what the Bible says? In Matthew 27 and verse 45, it says that when the sun was in the sky from noon to three o'clock, that the sun was darkened. Where the sun should have been brightest in the sky, it was dark. And that even the frailty of God's flesh would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why would he ask a question like that? Could it have been because there was a voice of accusation saying, Jesus, the reason why you're here, because you failed, you messed up, you did something wrong. But we know it wasn't because Jesus did something wrong. We know it was because he was faithful Why he was on that cross, going through what he was going through. But this got me, Pastor. This got me. Because after Jesus died, after he had that moment that all of us will have if we're going to be used of God, if we're going to be anointed and be that generation, all of us will say this. We'll come to a place in God sometimes where we say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why am I here? Why am I going through what I'm going through? Did I do something wrong? But watch now. After he died on that cross, the Bible says in verse 51, and behold, the veil of the temple, that veil that separated us, that veil that stood in between you and me and the love of God and the reality of God, the reality of his presence, that's heaven to us. That veil that separated us and we could not get to that reality or experience that love or experience that mercy. That veil that separated us when he died on that cross. 
The Bible says, verse 51, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top And it wasn't until that lowest point that we gained access to that love and that mercy and that ministry of reconciliation. Do you understand? That's the luxury and the blessing of that lowest point, that most confusing hour we look back on it now, and that was the moment at that lowest point that we gained access. And the Bible says, and the earth did quake, the rocks rent, and the, the people that were dead, they came back alive. All of this through that lowest point. Do you understand? That's what I'm trying to tell you. But what does this look like? Who's playing the piano? Somebody come quick. Give them hope like I'm almost done. But it wasn't, I had a vision, not some crazy vision, just a thought go through my mind. Could you imagine if you could understand the unfathomable love of God from top to bottom? And when that hit bottom, It wasn't at the top. It wasn't rent from the bottom to the top. From the bottom to the top would have implied us breaking into God's presence. But it was top to bottom. God breaking into our presence. Because he wanted us to understand that love. He wanted us to know that it's not because you failed. It's not because you did something wrong. If you have done something wrong, if you have failed, if you have messed up, he made a way for us. That's what he was saying. And it wasn't because he did something wrong. It wasn't because he failed. And so many times, that's why things don't happen the way that we think they ought to happen. And then accusation comes. You've done something wrong. You failed. You messed up. And all of a sudden, fear creeps in and fear paralyzes. I'll say it like this. What does this all look like? It was about three years ago. My little nephew, Ezekiel, it's his birthday today. He's six years old now. Just like my son. But three years ago, he was a three-year-old boy with my son. And Ezekiel don't have a dad. It's a sad circumstance, but... Ezekiel don't really have a dad. He's got a Papa Joe, his grandfather. But Ezekiel, he don't really have a dad, so he doesn't necessarily know the love of a father. But my son, and, and my son, he does. And Ezekiel doesn't understand the concept of the laying on, the ministry of the laying on of hands, if you know what I'm saying. He's a timeout kind of kid where I'm a spanking kind of parent. Like I said, he doesn't understand the ministry of laying on of hands. So every once in a while, Zekel, I call him Zekel, he calls me Kunkel Ryan. Kunkel Ryan, Kunkel Ryan. And, and he doesn't really know about me because he's watched me plenty of times take my son and take him by the hand and I'll lead him off into the other room, Pastor. And I'll shut the door, and all of a sudden, he'll hear my son start to cry. Papa Joe don't like that, because he had two girls. He never had to spank any kid. So Papa Joe don't like that. But my son would come out, and he would grab Papa Joe and say, Papa Joe, Daddy spanks me because he loves me. Because I make him know that. Not because you did something wrong. I'm doing this because I love you. But Ezekiel doesn't understand that. So when he sees me do that to Nathan and take him in the other room and all that, Ezekiel doesn't, that doesn't compute with Ezekiel because he's never really had that. He'd never had a father do that to him. So one, one, one time he, he kind of he stands off. He lives out in Colorado, so I don't get to see him all that often. But I see him enough for him to kind of give me the stink eye and kind of 
stand at arm's length from me at all times. He's not really sure about me. He's kind of afraid of me. And I've seen him. He literally walk across the wall. And I'll say, Zekel. He said, but one day Zekel comes in and Papa Joe had got him a brand new pair of light up shoes. It was his first pair. And he runs up to me, Pastor. I kid you not. He runs up to me beyond all fear, beyond all apprehension with his brand new pair of light up shoes. He runs up to me and he says, Like, what do you think? Like, what do you think about that? I was kind of amused that he was that bold to do that to me. And, but the father that I am, I thought I'd do what I did with my son when he got his first pair of light-up shoes. Go find the darkest room in the house and take him there. But I didn't think this through. So I grabbed Ezekiel by the hand. And I started to lead him off into the other room. And all of a sudden, all of that fear and apprehension came back. And the first thing that came out of his mouth when I grabbed his hand was, Uncle Ryan, did I do something wrong? Did I do something wrong? I said, no, Zeke, come on. Because I was wanting him to see something he'd never seen before. His first response was, did I do something wrong? And just like Ezekiel, God's got many of you by the hand right now. And he's trying to lead you into places. Take you through things. And just like Ezekiel, I got him in that other room. And I got him in that dark room, the darkest room in the house where there was no light at all. I slammed the door and that little hand started to grab my hand as hard as he could, thinking that he'd done something wrong. Why are we here, Uncle Ryan? Why are we here? Why? What are you doing? Fear. Because he didn't understand a father's love. And I had the very best of intentions. So when I got him behind that closed door in the absolute dark, I said to Ezekiel, I said, Ezekiel, now stomp your foot. And that little three-year-old had a revelation that day that we need to get a hold of tonight. That little boy that was so excited just a moment ago but thought that I, he had done something wrong because I began to lead him somewhere that he'd never been into the darkest place. He was confused. He didn't understand. But when I said, Zico, now stomp your foot, that little boy mustered up all the faith that he could and he began to... And once he seen what that little shoe could do in the dark, you should have seen that little boy. He started to do this number. And once he realized that he could light up the dark with what he had that he didn't know he had. You want to know what he did next? He went and he got Papa Joe. He burst out of that, opened that door, and he burst it all. He said, come on, Papa Joe. Let me show you what I got. Come on. And he pulled Papa Joe in that room, and he started to dance in the dark. And he said, look, look, look. Then he went and got Grandma Jackie. He said, come on, Grandma Jackie. Come on, stand up. Stand up, Grandma Jackie. Come on. And he brought him, brought her in there. And guess what he did on his own volition? He slammed the door shut and they were in the dark and he started dancing. And all of a sudden he realized Uncle Ryan wasn't out to hurt him. It's not that he did something wrong, but he had something that could light up the dark but he didn't know it yet. So I've come to abundant life to grab you by the hand. I feel the Holy Ghost reaching out to somebody right now saying not because you've done something wrong 
but because I want to show you something that you've never seen before. Young person, God is reaching out to you saying, I want to take you into places and show you things that you've never seen so you can realize that you've got more to offer than you understand, that you're worth more than you realize. I'm telling somebody, I want you to lift your hands right now. You wanted a word. Here's your word. God's got you right where He wants you. He's got the church in the darkest, loneliest, most confusing time in history. But now, stomp your foot. you would, would you please stand right now? Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.